Welcome to the Fire Trainers Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Our podcast is part of the concealedcarry.com network brought to you by Excess Sites. Today, we will be talking about the dangers of lead and other chemicals you'll find around ranges. We bring you this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the Range Tech Shot Timer. A shot timer is a critical tool to measure performance, and no credible fire instructor hosts a class without one. Range Tech Timer is both the most affordable and most feature-rich shot timer on the market. Connected via Bluetooth to a tablet on the firing line to simplify recording times and sharing them with your students. Range Tech also features Bluetooth integration with practice score and built-in auto scoring based on USPSA, IDPA, multi-gun, or steel challenge scoring schemes. Learn more at rangetechtimer.com. Today, we're joined by Chad Ratterman. He's a PhD candidate in chemistry, Eagle Scout, NRA fire instructor. Welcome, Chad. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hey, Rob. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And we got a request from one of our listeners, Andrew, and he brought up a very interesting topic that I think um, be interest to all our instructors out there. And that's when it comes to lead mm-hmm. and lead poisoning specifically. And that's where I reached out to you, Chad, because one of the things that I am every fire instructor knows this because it gets reinforced in every instructor class you do is you don't want to go along and and lick your fingers when you got lead on them. You don't want to be smoking on on the firing line or applying makeup or drinking or eating all those kind of things, which is very, very high high level. Yeah. And the thing I really wanted to understand, and you being a chemistry, um, PhD in chemistry, you know, almost, um, you know, really get down to some of the reasons about, you know, why is it so important, you know, uh, for instructors besides, you know, don't eat, drink, smoke, apply makeup on the, on the range. Well, you know, what, what are, what are some of the important things instructors really need to know and understand? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Really, the biggest problem is that uh, lead, you can, it's pretty much everywhere uh, on firing lines, um, but it can, it can just kind of attack the body basically at every level from, from your DNA um, through just about every major body system. Um, and then it can actually even hide inside your body um, and continue to leach out over time. So like, it's, not just a, it's not just a matter of if you can avoid it today, you're good forever. Um, it can it can definitely build up and cause problems uh, as time goes on. And us being instructors and we being around guns uh, specifically, uh, you know, there are the opportunity for us to get lead in our system is greater because we can we can get our fingers from you know loading those rounds and into the magazines we can get we can go on inhale it from our own guns or from the guns that you know other people are shooting if we're sitting there watching somebody's trigger press you know we're sitting there focused on the trigger we're not necessarily you know sitting there watching and seeing what where the um you know the the cloud of uh, lead dust goes and indoor outdoor it's it's all it's all there exactly and i don't know of a single instructor who 
who's only around guns when they're instructing. So we're <laughs> I'm around mine and when I'm instructing. So there's mm-hmm. there's a lot more opportunities for us to be around the lead clouds as well. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the wor- worst thing? I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say probably the worst thing would be uh, as far as lead poison goes, would be probably ingesting it. Is that uh, fair or would it be better? Is it worse to inhale it type of thing? It's actually worse to inhale it. Uh, okay. Cause it can, it can cross from the lungs into the bloodstream um, a lot faster, a lot more efficiently than it can cross into the bloodstream through the intestines. Um, so the, the real problem actually is inhalation. Uh, as bad as that sounds, because uh, it's a lot harder to avoid as well. Yep. Well, that's where most uh, indoor ranges, they've got positive airflow that blows from behind you downrange to suck all that uh, dust and uh, gases away from you. Uh, and outdoor ranges, hopefully there's enough uh, wind and enough uh, circulation to uh, keep it from you know settling upon you because if you're doing a long class or firing a lot, you could you could be inhaling it, you know, significantly. Oh, absolutely. How about when it comes to our hands and such? Um, the hands can be almost the, the second to worst problem behind, behind just straight inhaling it. Um, because a lot of us have, we're conscious enough to like wa- wash our hands before we eat or drink or smoke. But how often are you just living your life and you don't even realize it. And next thing you know, you're rubbing your eye because it itches or you're rubbing your cheek or, or your mouth or your ears. Like we can be really good about, about avoiding intentionally doing it, but it's really easy to take it from your fingers to, um, to your body accidentally. Yeah. I think from, uh, all the COVID, you know, the pandemic, uh, type of thing, I say it's over 20 times an hour that we go and, you know, touch their nose, rub our eyes, you know, scratch her ear, do all those kind of things where it's up and around her own mouth. And, you know, then you've got, you know, goes from our thing, you know, the dirt underneath our fingernails into our mouth or, you know, into our eye. And in a lot of cases, you know, it's also right there, you know, those are areas that are pink, which means the blood vessels are very close to the surface, which just like you were talking about inhaling them and, cr- and crossing them from the air in the lungs to the blood in the lungs, uh, the thinner those walls are, the more likelihood there is of uh, transmission. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you, what can you do to clean that off you? Um, well, obviously the, the easiest thing is to wash your hands. Uh, you want to use cold water um, if it's available. Uh, if it's not available, as cold as you can get, um, because what, what the cold will do is, um, just like anything, when it gets warm, it expands. Well, the same things happen to the holes in your skin. And so if you warm them up, they pull apart. Um, and so it's a lot easier for the lead particles to get through your skin if they're warm. Um, so you want to use cold water. Um, it's, it's always really good to... Um, at least before you walk into your house, if you can change your clothes or like in your garage, at least take off the outer layers, um, have, have like dedicated range bags that don't, that like don't go into the common living areas. Uh, and then there's actually, they, uh, they were started for cleaning, uh, like remediating houses, uh, but you can actually buy wipes that are meant to remove lead. Um, almost like, like just the normal antiseptic hand wipes, 
um, but they're specifically designed um, for lead particles uh, if you're really concerned about it. So it's not just your normal wipes. They're especially chemically uh, enhanced, we'll call Correct. it, um, to pull the lead away from your skin. Correct. Yeah. Uh, they uh, Rather than just having an alcohol, like an alcohol-based um, sanitizing solution, um, they're actually impregnated with, uh, it's, it's called trisodium phosphate. Um, and it's specifically, what it does is it specifically will bind to the lead particles, um, which will then make it easier for them to wipe off. Oh, yeah, I think I, I've got some, uh, let, uh, let off, uh, soap that I use, uh, after I'm done reloading or working on the guns at home, different things like that, because there again, I don't want to bring that in the house. And before I come in there, I take, wash my hands because anything gun related, um, has heavy, uh, has chemicals in it that you really don't want. Um, even your hoppies number nine, um, have, you know, has benzenes and a whole bunch of other zines in them that you really don't want to have on your skins, uh, very much. And that's why we wear gloves. Uh, yeah. but you just want to make sure that you're as clean as possible and not bring that stuff in for, yeah. uh, what are some of the signs of lead poisoning? Um, so unfortunately, like some, a lot of the most, a lot of the first signs that you'll see are similar to like with the problem with the COVID symptoms, like they're very nonspecific. Um, things like abdominal pain, irritability, uh, headaches, uh, high blood pressure, um, a little bit of higher levels. You can end up with like numbness or tingling in your hands and feet. Um, and so as you get to higher, higher and higher levels, it gets a little bit more concerning. Um, but early on, you just kind of have to be, you almost have to correlate the fact that you're feeling off and you're around a potential lead source. Uh, is there testing that's available? Uh, there, there is testing. Um, I'm not aware of any over-the-counter testing, um, but you can easily go um, and at a doctor's office, they'll just take a blood draw, um, and they can they can measure the amount of lead that's actually in your body or in your blood, uh, and then correlate that to acceptable levels, uh, which right now are scarily low. They're at at about five micrograms per deciliter. Um, so picture, if you can picture like a Splenda packet or a Sweet and Low packet, um, that's typically about a, about a gram worth of stuff in there. Um, a microgram is one millionth of one <laughs> of those. Um, and then a deciliter would be, if you can picture a, a one liter bottle of pop, one tenth of that. So we're talking a fraction of a Splenda packet and a tenth of a soda bottle is where it's considered dangerous levels. Well, that's probably why I know people that work at indoor ranges, they get monthly testing and uh, every once in a while they get pulled off the range because uh, lead levels get too high. Yep. That's exactly right. So, and that's important because, you know, a lot of times the people that work at these indoor ranges are younger. You know, some of them are female different and, you know, we learn in instructor classes that, you know, women and, you know, kids under seven shouldn't be around, um, lead period at all because the acceptable level is zero for them. Yeah. Um, what danger specifically does, uh, lead pose to women that are pregnant and kids that are under seven? Well, one, 
one of the biggest problems with women that are pregnant is that the lead can actually cross the placenta. Um, and so it gets into the mother, then gets transferred or passed to the fetus. Um, and it'll actually disrupt the way that the nervous system forms. Um, and, and the other, the other problem that you'll see in a lot of cases is that adults tend to like, as I said, the lead can kind of hide. It tends in adults to, to be in the bones and the teeth and, and other heart areas, uh, whereas children tend to carry it a lot more in uh, their soft tissues. Um, and so therefore it's a lot more available uh, for, to react in, in the children. Um, and the other problem you can see with, with pregnant women is, um, is as, as they get closer and closer to giving birth, uh, their bones will actually change, will change shape and adjust to allow for the birth. Well, in the process, it can actually release the, the lead that's in the bones as well. Uh, and so that's, it, it's a problem both of it becoming unsequestered um, as well as rapidly transporting um, and being available to cause problems. Wow. I mean, like I said, always taught everybody that, you know, women and children under seven, but uh, never really realized uh, just how dangerous and how um, unexpected sometimes, you know, lead, lead will come out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It can hide. Yeah. Is there any good way of, I mean, you're talking, you're talking about lead and bones. Is there mm -hmm. any good way of getting it out? I mean, obviously you just can't pull your femur out and wash it off and get a lead off with, you know, these special wipes. So, um, yeah. do they, do they have medical procedures or so to get the lead out, out of you? Uh, they have procedures to get it out of your blood. Um, once it's in your bones, there's really nothing, nothing you can do except wait. Um, but they have what was called chelation therapy. Um, and long story short, they, they introduce uh, molecules into your bloodstream um, that will specifically bind to the lead atom. Um, and then once it's bound to lead, once it binds the lead atom, um, the lead can no longer react with the body, uh, but it will also be a lot easier for uh, your kidneys to filter it. Um, and so it makes it at that point where the lead atom itself is very hard for your kidneys to get rid of. Um, but once it's bound or chelated is the, is the chemistry term for it. Um, that's a lot easier for your kidneys to filter. It makes it a lot, it makes it a lot faster to be excreted out of you. Faster being how long? <laughs> uh, days to weeks versus months to years. So if you get a high level lead, you could be dealing with the chelation process for years, literally. Uh, if you, if you end up with enough in your bones and it just keeps trickling out. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to get too medical since I'm not really qualified, but my guess would be that they would keep a, a long-term eye on you. Um, you get regular testing and then if they saw start to spike for one reason or another, um, you go in for some chelation treatments. And then once they got the leads back levels back down to an acceptable level, you go back onto monitoring. Good reason not to get, get your lead up there. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. Because, uh, yeah. that does not sound like, uh, 
a quick thing or any kind of fun thing that you'd want to spend a day doing, you know, I went to, went to the clinic for chelation today and right. I probably would not be very happy. And yeah, there's probably a whole lot of medical side effects to, uh, that process that, um, we can take on another podcast. We won't, yeah. we won't get into that here and such. Um, where can we find lead on the uh, firing line? I mean, I know, you know, we got lead bullets, a lot of cases we've got, um, you know, full metal jackets that make the lead not, um, not exposed uh, for it, but what other places where can we find lead on a firing range? Where can't you find lead on a firing range? Um, it, you can find it in the primers. Um, you can find it in the propellants. Um, and consequently because of that, and we've all, we've all tried to clean our guns after a long day at the range. It's just everywhere. Um, yeah, there, there's no two second rule when it comes to the range. If you drop something, you know, a food or, or something on the ground, it's, there's no two second rule there because stuff is everywhere. It might as well have just fallen a thousand feet out of your reach. Mm-hmm. You'll never pick it up again. Yep. You shouldn't. And, uh, you know, if you're going to go along and lay down, you know, do some prone shooting, rifle shooting, it's yep. good to, good to have a mat that hasn't been laying there collecting all collecting everything as the lead, lead set, settles out of the air, you know, both exactly. indoor or an outdoor range. Exactly. And then obviously well, it's all over your clothes too. clothes, hair, hats, shooting gloves, holsters, mm-hmm. everything. Yep. So no matter how much we try to clean it, it's still going to be there. Yep. Yeah. And goes back to your original suggestion about making sure that, you know, when we get done with the range, we come home, go in the, in the garage and at least take their outer shell off and, you know, our shirts or our pants and, you know, make sure they get cleaned uh, yep. separately so that we're not, you know, dragging it, you know, all over inside the house because who knows, you know, who's going to be in our house crawling on the floors or, you know, sucking on the edge of a table, those, those types of things. Absolutely. Uh, even more so if you have young children or pets, anyone that you can't teach to, or at least not trust to not lick everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I completely identify that with uh, grandkids now where they uh, stick everything in their mouth, Yep. everything in their mouth. Uh, if it fits, they taste. Yep. So it's uh hard to stop them from doing that either you know and then they, they even sit there and eat their toes and do things like that which of course yeah there's nothing good on those either but it does help their uh, uh digestive tract have you know a great variety of bacteria there doesn't it exactly. <laughs> well, a little dirt never hurt them true a wise man once told me that we gotta eat a bushel of dirt before we die so it's uh that's loving cold mm-hmm well, Chad, I really appreciate your time today. And one of the things we've been doing with all our uh, guests that come on the podcast, do you have a name, of, name of an instructor or a book that you would recommend that the instructors on the podcast go along check out and uh, get because you think they're high quality? Uh, I'm not going to pick a specific book, um, but any kind of uh, like basic physiology textbook, like low level high school, first year college level. Um, would be really good just so you kind of understand how, how all these things work and how better understand exactly how the lead and other chemicals are exposed to can really have long, both short-term and long-term effects to the body. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I appreciate that. Well, Chad, where can our uh, instructors find more out about you? Uh, probably the best place to find me is I have a, uh, a bio on the American Defense Training uh, website. Uh, I've been teaching with them for several years. Uh, great company, high quality training. Um, so that's probably the best place to find, find, find out more about me. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Chad, for coming on. And thank you again, Andrew, for your suggestion for this topic. So great to have the listeners uh, send their send their questions in and uh, have interesting guests that uh, talk about some things that maybe we don't talk about enough. Yep. Great to be here. Thanks, Chad. Yep. Appreciate it. That's a wrap on this episode. And we have a few requests. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for our weekly prize giveaway. Remember, you can't win without entering, and your entries do not carry over from week to week. This week's podcast winner is Michael K., and he won a $50 gift certificate to SSP Eyewear. Next week's prize is a 511 Flight 93 commemorative ball cap. Visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to be entered in for next week's prize giveaway. Also, visit our sponsors, especially Fire and Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off. Remember, check out the Guardian Conference on September 17th and 19th in Oklahoma City for an opportunity to take training from guests we've had on this podcast and other leading industry trainers that can help you and also increase the training that you can offer your students. Go to guardianconference.com for more information. If you have any ideas for new episodes, suggestions on guests to have, or feedback, please email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.